Hey guys, welcome to Ask the Podcast. Super glad you stopped by. Our team is made up of professional therapists and amateurs. Since we don't know your personal situation, we might get it wrong sometimes, but we will always give you the best advice we can with the information we have. We love getting your questions, so keep them coming. And this is a discussion format, so sometimes we curse, and sometimes we talk or laugh over each other. We want y'all to feel like part of our team. Remember, if you need emergency help, please call 911 or the suicide hotline, the number of which is on our website, www.askthepodcast.com. Hey guys, Beth here from Ask the Podcast. Today, Sydney and I are talking about panic attacks. They happen. All right, so let's find out what to do about them. Gotcha. So, Sydney, I have well, I have more than one client that has panic attacks and no more than one person who gets panic attacks. I've even had a panic. Have you ever had a panic attack? Not that I remember, no. Yeah, I've had one and it was the weirdest thing because nothing was wrong. And I was out, uh, Jack was a little guy. I was pregnant with, with his sister and I was, we were out for a walk. I was pushing him in a stroller and all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. And I got really scared. I was probably six months pregnant with her. So I sat down on the pavement, you know, I was on a sidewalk. I sat down next to Jack's stroller and I just sort of talked. I'm like, you're just having a panic attack. This is a panic attack. You're okay. And I talked myself down from it. It took me a while probably took me about, you know, five or 10 minutes to talk myself down, but it succeeded, but it was scary. It, it, it was a real physical experience of, you know, my heart was racing and pounding in my chest. And like, I could hear the, I like what sound like blood in my ears. It's like, there was that sort of, yeah, exactly. And I felt like I wasn't able to get enough oxygen. And it really, it was frightening. And it, fortunately, because of the field that you and I are in, I knew what it was. I was able to go, okay, you are not, you know, having any physical issue here. This is psychological. So I talked myself down, but it was frightening. And so I think the, the key message is panic attacks can be really, really scary. Yes. And then it becomes this kind of, you know, self fulfilling prophecy or a snake eating its own tail or circular or whatever. And it's like, you begin to have a panic attack and then you're panicking about having a panic attack and then you panic more. And then you're panicking about the fact that you're panicking more. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I've been working on with this particular client is that it, that's exactly what it is. And actually Jack stated it in our team meeting yesterday, when I mentioned that we were, this was going to be our topic for this week, he said, it's fear of fear. And that's exactly what it is. You're afraid of getting the panic attack. And like Sydney said, self-fulfilling prophecy, it's that fear of the panic attack that causes the panic attack to occur. Although sometimes there are times when people will have panic attacks in the middle of the night when they're asleep, that can happen too. And, you know, they'll wake up thinking they're having a heart attack. And a lot of times, I mean, I think the emergency room sees a fair number of these in a year where people will go, they're like, I'm having a heart attack, but they're not, it's a panic attack. So do you actually have any idea why that happens? Well, my theory is that a lot of it has to do with dreams and the kind of things that your brain may do when you're not actually thinking about it. So like processing through what the day's events were or the stressors that you have going on in your life and right. then you go to sleep and your brain processes and maybe it kicks up some stuff for you while you're sleeping. Right. Yeah. So my theory about that is that 
a lot of people seem to have a pattern where if there's a big crisis or trauma, they keep it together. They pull it together and they can make it through the, the trauma. And then as soon as everything is over and has settled back down or the crisis and it's settled back down, that's when their bodies go, okay, I can fall apart now. <laughs> right? Right. And so sometimes when you're, I mean, when you're asleep, you're at a pretty relaxed state and that's when your body's like, oh, this is a great time to like freak out. (laughs) Right. I used to, for the first maybe three semesters, maybe four semesters of college, I would go, 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 go all the way through finals. And then as soon as the semester was over, I would get a cold. Yes. Because it was like my body knew that it was an okay time to just basically let it all go Mm -hmm. knowing that I didn't have any other stressors. And so like, if you have a big stressor that you're working through, you're right. A lot of people can kind of keep it together. And then as soon as that stressor is over, then their body goes, all right, now it's your turn to freak out. And so that may be exactly what's happening when they're sleeping is that your body kind of feels like, okay, you're relaxed now. Yes. Now it's time to pay the piper because I'm sure a lot of our teenagers that listen have panic attacks periodically or, or deal with, have had a panic attack and, and it's, it's a scary thing. What are some strategies for making the duration of the panic attack shorter and less intense? Well, the, the first thing I like what you did where you just kind of stop for a second and breathe. Right. And, and the self-talk piece is really important. A lot of the clients that I work with have had success with square breathing. What, what's where, that? Where you breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four and hold for four. And then you just keep going around. That's interesting. That's what square breathing is. Okay. So you, you kind of visualize a box. That's, I kind of like how you, so Sydney was just drawing a box in the air with her index finger since y'all can't see. And I can, (laughs) um, and, and that actually that visualization of watching you do that really was helpful for me in visualizing what square breathing is. So you kind of, you do one side of the box, that's four, the next side's four, four, four. So maybe even visualizing that box helps, would help some people. And I do have some clients that will even draw it in the air with their hand, Mm -hmm. just kind of give them, you know, something to focus on. Another thing that folks have had some, some success with is doing the five senses kind of to distract yourself and ground yourself. Like, what can I feel? What can I see? What can I smell? What can I hear? Right? Wait, that's yeah. five. So, and, and what to, oh, taste? Taste, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So give us some examples of like how that would be helpful for grounding or bringing you back to the present. Because if, if your body is physically panicking or if you've got all these things that are running through your head, Right. You can just stop for a second and say, all right, wait a minute. I'm going to close my eyes. You know, what can I feel? All right. I can, I can feel that I'm sitting in the chair. I can feel it in the back of my body. You know, what can I hear? I hear the fans in the distance. You know, I can hear whatever traffic I can hear the people in the next room, that kind of thing. You know, what can I see if I open my eyes? All right. I can see, you know, the entertainment center in front of me. It just kind of distracts you and it puts you in your current surroundings. It makes you focus on what exactly is happening right now instead of what you think is going to happen or the physical sensation you have in your body of that panic of the heart beating, 
you know, the cold sweat, et cetera, you start to focus on the things outside of you. What can I see outside of me? What can I hear outside of me? You know, mm-hmm. what do I taste in my mouth? Well, I don't know. I just had a sip of coffee. So, <laughs> and, so and sometimes the, the process of trying to figure out what it is that you think or feel also distracts you enough that you begin to think of other things other than the thing that made you panic. Nice. I like that. And it was pretty funny. This particular client of whom I speak it was kind of funny the other day, uh, she texts me a lot and she's allowed to. She texts me because she's going kind of through a rough time right now. She texts me whenever she starts going through a panic attack for mom sent around. And <laughs> she texted me and it was in the afternoon after school. And she was like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really scared. I feel like I'm about to have a panic attack. You know, what should I do? And I asked her, I was like, are you outside? She said, no, I'm inside. I said, okay, can you go outside? She said, yes, just a second. And so she went outside and, and I was like, how long would it take you to run to your mailbox, check the mail, close the mailbox and run back to your, to your door. And she's like, I don't know. I need shoes. I'm like, okay, good. Get shoes on. So she raced and she came back. She's like 57 seconds. And I was like, she goes, now what do I do? I said, do it again, see if you could beat your time. And so she did and 54 seconds that time. So, you know, and then she was like, oh my God, that really helped. (laughs) So, you know, like what you're saying about distraction can be really good. And just sort of coming up with strategies like that. I mean, because you can't do that when you're sitting in class, if you start feeling a panic attack, come on. But one thing you can do is you can hold your breath. How long can you hold your breath for? Start counting or if there's a clock on the wall, secondhand, whatever, but you can hold your breath. That's not going to interfere with school or anything. And the good thing about that, about holding your breath, if you're having a panic attack is a lot of times you feel like you can't get enough oxygen, but what ends up happening is you start getting too much oxygen. You start hyperventilating. And so practicing holding your breath is kind of a double fold. It distracts you, but it also forces you to stop bringing in too much oxygen. And that's what you'll see. You've seen maybe, actually, maybe y'all haven't. When Sydney and I were kids, breathing into a paper bag was a very popular technique for panic attacks. And it the reason it worked is because it helped reduce the amount of oxygen you were taking in. So you weren't overloading your brain and then passing out as a result of having an excessive amount of oxygen. It's good that you brought up sitting in class. Because, you know, it's always, whenever I'm problem solving with anybody about things that you can do to manage any kind of behavior, like if you're angry, if you're sad, if you're panicking, those kind of things, you always need to have at least three options. Because if you can't do option one, sometimes you can do option two. And if one and two are not available to you, maybe three is available. So like if you only have one option or maybe two, then oftentimes something can get in the way of those, you know? Some of the folks that I work with, like if you are sitting in your office or you're sitting in class, you're in a meeting, you're whatever, and you can't get up and walk around if you're feeling antsy or if you're feeling uh, panicky, they will sometimes make a fist with your toes, squeeze your toes inside your shoes. And even if you're wearing sandals, most people are not looking at the floor. They're usually sitting in their chairs around a table. They're not, or under their desk or whatever. They're not going to be looking at your feet. And if they are and they say something, you can just be like, why do you care? Yeah. Or you could say I had a cramp in my toes. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That, that's less defensive. Just ignore me. Listen to Sid. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, your own business. Yeah. 
you can make fists out of your toes. You also can tighten up the muscles in the back of your legs as, as long as it doesn't make you wiggle in your chair too much, you know, which can be another thing to focus on in terms of how do I tighten that up without making the rest of my body move? It becomes this kind of distractive problem solving thing. Nice. You know, you can make fists with your hands, but my suggestion is to put them in your pockets because otherwise people will wonder why you're making fists. Which so. is hard when you're sitting at your desk, putting your hands in your pockets can be kind of challenging. Well, you're supposed to be taking notes or whatever, but if you're in a meeting, you can sometimes put them under the table. Right. Lap. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Really good point on the having three different options. And I think another way to even refine that is to think about different locations or like different, when I'm alone in my room, I can do this. When I'm, or when I'm at home, I can do this. When I, if I am in a store or like if I'm out in public, this will be one I can use or whatever and et cetera. Because if your only one is hugging your dog, then your dog's probably not always with you. It is good to have backups. Definitely good to have backups. Yeah. I've had um, people make lists on their, their phone, you know, and then even use that as the, the lock screen background. So you don't even have to go far to find it. You just have to tap your phone and there's your list of things that you can do. Nice. That's a really good idea. I like that. Well, and this is another one. So if you're someone who's super attached, let's say to one of your parents and you know, they are really helpful at talking you down doing a recording and Sid mentioned this idea when we were talking about co-parenting or parents that were divorced and going to like your other parents' house or whatever, having a recording of your parents saying, Hey, you're okay. You've got this, you've got this, you are okay. You know, and whatever it is that works for you that that parent says, then you can listen to that. Probably not if you're in school, but if you're, if you're having a big enough issue with your panic attack and you're at the nurse's office, then you can say, I've got this recording of my mom talking to me. I just, I need to listen to that. That will help me, you know, whatever. So that is another strategy. So what about long-term stuff? Let's, let's look at the, so these are some short-term things you can do in the moment. What are some long-term things that you can do to start preventing panic attacks? Everyone hates it when I say this because of the way that they perceive it, but meditation. And by that, I mean getting good at calming yourself down quickly on a daily basis, because the more often you practice it, the better you get at it. Yes. And if you can get to the point where you are able to observe your own thinking without engaging in it, then it becomes easier to let the anxious thoughts go by like, like clouds in the sky instead of, you know, being in the middle of the cloud. Yes. And grasping, trying to grasp the cloud. Yeah. Right. The funny thing is when, when you say meditation, a lot of people have all these different ideas about what that means. Yeah. It's and very I, crunchy granola-y and they roll their eyes. <laughs> yeah. I don't necessarily mean that. And a lot of people say I tried meditation and it doesn't work. That, that's fine. There's, first of all, it takes practice. Second of all, there's a lot of different kinds of meditation and the, the meditation that I'm referring to is just being able to sit quietly, just, just being able to let the, let the thoughts, you know, something's going to pop in your head and don't engage with it. Just kind of watch it go by, you know, listen to the sounds around you without really thinking too much about them. Yeah. You know, that's a form of meditation. 
stay out of your head, man. Well, the funny thing is that's kind of actually, in your head, but not. Yeah. yeah, I guess, I guess meditation is get in your head, man, but just not with the, with the stressful thoughts, keep them out of your head. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I think just one of the most important components of uh, derailing panic attacks is reminding yourself that they are self-fulfilling prophecies. If you start anticipating that you're going to really have a big panic attack, you're more likely to have a big panic attack. Um, if you tell yourself, this is, this is psychological, I'm making this happen so I can make it unhappen, you know, giving yourself those words saying, you've got this, I've got this, I can do this. It's okay. I'm getting plenty of oxygen, even though it feels like I'm not, I'm not having a heart attack. I am safe. I am okay. You know, just whatever works for you, whatever those words, you know, create your own little thing that you need to tell yourself to talk yourself down because it can be really scary. And it feels like it, you know, it feels physical. It feels like it really is something's wrong with your body, but it's not, it's odds are it's a panic attack. I've also had some people have long-term success by um, an, another quote unquote form of meditation is to, you know, every night before you go to bed, think of a couple of really good things that happened that day or things that you're looking forward to tomorrow, just yeah. kind of to change your mindset in terms of not focusing necessarily on the negative or the stressful things. You can also do that first thing in the morning. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to? You know, what's something good that happened yesterday, you know, so that it gets easier to focus on the positive. And I know, and I'm not talking about toxic positivity and like everything has to be great. I mean, the good thing that could, could have happened today could have been that rush hour traffic wasn't all that bad. Right. You know, or yeah, you know, the coffee that I made that morning, it was on point. It was good. <laughs> it, it can be stupid little things like that, where you don't have to be happy about everything going on in your life. But at least if you have one thing, when you're panicking, you can, for example, think about how awesome your snuggly purry cat is. Yes. You're like, yep, I got that to look forward to. I'm okay. I'm you may not okay. have your, your dog or cat may not be with you but you can think about them and what it is about them that makes you smile and makes you so happy. And what the, think about, you know, that actually, that's a really good point. That's another thing you can take that your cat a little further and think about when are you at your happiest time with your cat or your dog? And just imagine yourself in that place where you're snuggling with them um, I know when I was younger and I would get really anxious, I would think I just sort of close my eyes and imagine myself on a beach with the hot sun, you know, just beaming down on me. And that's very soothing for me or being in a field with like lots of beautiful flowers. Once again, for me, it's the sun beaming down on me in that warmth that helps calm me down. So finding your little, that's imagery, right? What's that called? Is that imagery? Yeah something like that. Yeah. yeah. So something, you know, being able to take yourself to a different place to help like your internal Zen happy place. And, you know, you can actually, your brain is such a powerful tool. You know, it's like, it's such an amazing thing. I know for me, I've had a lot of surgeries and stuff. And when I've like, a lot of painful things have been happening. It's funny because I can freak medical personnel out. And I always tell them before they start working on me, I always say, I'm going to go to my Zen place 
I'm okay. You're going to think I'm not breathing, but I am. And I go to this really calm place and I've never, ever once had a medical person be able to avoid asking me, are you okay? Are you breathing? And I'm like, gosh, darn it. I told you at the beginning of this, I was going to my Zen place. Yeah, but they have to. I know, I know. But so it's one of those things, you know, I really have harnessed that power and you can too. You can totally harness the power of going to your Zen place, your happy place, whatever, where you just calm yourself down. And it's a very powerful tool. I don't know. I've I've found that very helpful with all sorts of painful, physically painful situations in my life. And, you know, you can use that for anxiety stuff too. Oh, there was something else on my fingers crossed. What were you saying just a few minutes ago? Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, I, I don't remember what I was yes, saying, ago, haha, but um, <laughs> the, the other thing that I find helpful long-term is to get good at reminding yourself that you can handle it. Yes. I've gotten through it before. It doesn't last forever. I've done really hard things before. I'm going to be okay. I mean, not in terms of like, you know, I'm going to be snugly okay, but like, I got this. Yeah. And, and will end. Right. So, and for those of us who, you know, well, pretty much everybody in this world has had a gym class, but um, for those of us that have done any kind of stressful or strenuous physical activity, I always like to remind myself, you know, if I'm, if I'm out for a jog and I hit five minutes, I like to remind myself, I know I've been able to do it before. Right. It sucked, but I did it, you yeah. know, a one more rep, one more, this one more, that like, I, I managed to last 30 seconds, you know, last time I can probably do 45 seconds this time. Yes. And that's exactly what I was crossing my fingers to remember to say. So thank you for reminding me. Yeah. It's like when, yeah, Sydney just crossed everything. She's like all her fingers. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty cool looking. I don't know if it was a gang sign. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Little Spock action, little Star Trek action going on there. Building on what Sydney just said, remembering, reminding yourself of positive times when it's like, oh, you know, that time a month ago when I thought I was going to have a panic attack and I was really worried about it, but then I told myself I was going to be okay and I didn't have a panic attack. And just reminding yourself of the positive outcomes instead of always thinking, oh my God, I'm destined to have, I know I'm going to have a a panic attack because I always have a panic attack. Well, there might be times that you have successfully not had panic attacks. Think about those times. What did you do? What was different about those times? You know, what were the things that, that worked that time and try those again this time. In addition of like what Sydney was saying, when you, you remember that you have survived this before, or if you haven't survived it before, other people have survived these before. It's a panic attack. It's survivable. It's not going to kill you. It's scary, but you're creating a lot of that for yourself. And if you just acknowledge and accept, this is going to be over soon. I'm, I'm creating this with my mind and I need to, you know, help my mind calm down and, and recognize this is not a serious situation. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks teens. If you have any questions, you know, let us know if you want more information about this, we'd be happy to, to respond to you. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to send us your questions on Instagram handle at ask the podcast or by email ask at ask the podcast.com. We're trying to figure this whole thing out too.